This is How Shall They Hear, a production of New Testament Christian Church of Renton, Washington. We hold services every Sunday morning at 1030 at 13470 Martin Luther King Jr. Way South, Renton, Washington, 98178. You can reach us by email at ntccrenton at gmail.com. But today, let's focus on what's happening today. Not what we want to do, but what's happening right now. But I'm reading from Acts chapter 7, verses 2 and 4. Acts 7, chapter 7, verses 2 and 4. Sorry, I got my pages mixed up. Acts 7, starting at verse 2. Watch my page. And he said, Men and brethren, men, brethren, and fathers, hearken. The God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Quran. And he said unto him, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred, and come into the land which I shall show thee. Then came he out of the land of the Chaldeans and dwelt in Quran. And from thence, when his father was dead, he moved him into his land wherein ye now dwell. Now I want to take my text from Hebrews chapter 11 verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whither he went. And with the help of the Holy Ghost this morning, I want to preach for a little while on this titled message, Not Knowing Whither He Went or the Blessing of Not Knowing. Sir, Brother Harris, can you stand and pray for the message, messenger? Beloved Father, we thank you once again again, house of the Lord. Lord God, as you laid upon our brother's heart, given that fresh unction by the Holy Spirit. Lord God, let your word resonate in our minds, hearts, and our souls, dear Lord God, that we might not sin against you. Lord God, that you will challenge us. Move us, dear Lord God, do your will and not our will. We ask that you bless this service in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Not knowing whither he went or the blessing of not knowing. We all like to know or have as much information as we can before we make a major decision or embark on a drastic change in our life. We are tempted to dive into the details and search out every aspect of what's ahead of us. We are an impatient species. Humans, we are impatient. We want to know the who, what, when, where, and why right away. As Christians, we tend to be worse when it comes to wanting all the details. We want to make sure that we are following the will of God. We want to make sure we are doing everything correctly. But it is when we know too much is when we end up hindering God from pouring out His blessings and accomplishing His will. 
In our Bible reading, we're reading where we're seeing the call of Abraham at the time. His name was Abram. So I'll be going back and forth between the word Abram and Abraham. It's still the same person. I use Acts chapter 7 verses 2 and 4 instead of uh, Genesis chapter 12 as our Bible reading. Mainly because some people have uh, some confusion about the timing there in Genesis. About when Abraham received his call when he arrived in Haran. Here in Acts, it's called Quran. It's the same thing. Just a different language, different spelling. It's not a contradiction. The Bible does not contradict itself. Genesis, uh, the story of Abraham, has a lot of flashback aspect to it. Uh, chapter 11 and chapter 12 are not the same. It's a different story. Involving some of the same people though. But I wanted to use Acts chapter 7 because it's a pretty clear uh, summarizing of Abraham's call by Stephen. Right before he was killed for the faith. God had called Abraham. Why Abraham specifically? What was it about Abraham that singled him out amongst the rest of the people there in Ur of the Chaldees? Which is modern day Babylon, Iraq, Baghdad, that whole area. Well, the Bible doesn't say. We don't need to know all that information. There is blessing in not knowing all the information. But we don't know. The Bible doesn't say. The journey from Ur, the Chaldees, to Haran, which is in modern day Turkey, is about... Between 600 and 700 miles. Not really too far if you think about it. But it is far if you don't know where you're going. Abraham didn't know where he was going. It's not far if you have a vehicle with lots of rest stops, hotels and restaurants. When your GPS tells you when you're going to arrive, how far it is. Abraham didn't know any of this. He didn't know what was out there. He didn't know when he would arrive. He didn't even know where they were going. This journey would take Abraham and the party that was with him several weeks to arrive. Just to Haran, there in Turkey. And that wasn't even his final stop. That wasn't exactly where God was bringing them to. In a world without modern conveniences and paved roads, making a journey like this was not for the faint of heart. I did some map, mapping uh, how it would relate to us and give or take if we were to break that 700 mile uh, limit, it would be from here in Renton, Washington to Sacramento, California. Try doing that just by walking. That's far. And we've driven out to Missouri from here. And that, by vehicle, if we were not to stop at all, not even for gas, going straight on through, by, through some miracle where we weren't out of gas, we weren't hungry, and we didn't have to sleep, it would take 30 hours. And that's going 80-something miles on the highways. But we don't even know how they traveled, whether it was by horse or carriage, or they literally walked. We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. 
and said he did not even know where he was going. Right there at the end of our text, it said, and he went out not knowing whither he went. The word whither, another word for whether he went or where. He didn't even know where he was going. God told him just to get out of the land, to depart from his father's house and from his kindred, and go, start walking. Does the Bible tell us maybe he had some inkling on how to where to go? We don't know. But according to the scripture here, not knowing whither he went, he didn't even know where he was going. Last week after church, we were talking about uh, if you were to make some sort of stew or a pot of soup and you put all these different ingredients in and randomly and you were to serve it to somebody, you wouldn't even know what kind of soup it was. And we were talking about all the uh, misinformation and all these different things in our media today telling us what we could do, what we shouldn't do, how to go about this, how not to go about this. We have so much information. It's like a big stew with everybody throwing their own ingredients in. And you go to taste it and you ask yourself, is it a seafood stew? Is it some sort of chicken stew? Is it a beef stew? Is it supposed to have these vegetables? What kind of stew is it? What kind of information am I receiving? We're confused. And that's what a lot of doctrine in the world is. Everybody wants to insert their own interpretation of the word of God. And uh, they say, I've had this vision and I had this feeling. And this is the word of God. But this is the word of God. You have so many different versions. Uh, I wrote, we rewrote the Bible so it's easier for people to understand. But in the process, they took whole phrases out and whole sentences out. And now you have different Bibles that you can pick up from the store that literally takes the name of Jesus out of the Bible. Misinformation. Don't know the right food to eat. Spiritually. I like chocolate cookies. And I also like potatoes. But they don't go together. Same goes with information. Too many people telling you what to do and not to do causes confusion like the mask mandates. <laughs> That's in this message, before we even talked about it earlier. They said, if you're vaccinated, you, can, you don't have to wear your mask. But we can't ask you whether or not to prove that you're vaccinated or not. But the whole purpose of wearing a mask is so that if you have the virus, you don't give it to other people. So shouldn't the people that are vaccinated continue to wear a mask? Because for those who are not vaccinated can easily catch it from those who are vaccinated. And it's so much confusion. The CDC came out and they said, you don't have to wear a mask here, there, or there. But you have to wear it here, here, or there. But what if the here is not there and there is not here? Now people are all confused. And when people are confused, when there is no directive, when there is no information, people are going to make their own choices. But sometimes not knowing the information is a blessing. When it comes to our walk with God, knowing too much of what God has planned for us can spoil, ruin, or derail His plan. Yes, we can spoil God's plans. There is a possibility. On the lower level. On the low level. 
concerning your life. Now, no one can stop the tribulation from happening. That's God's will. No one can stop the rapture from happening, but you can stop yourself from going in the rapture. You can't stop God from healing people, but you can stop yourself from being healed by not believing. You know too much. You can ruin, spoil, and derail a plan. That's why they don't tell everybody going out to war exactly where they're going to be going and what they're going to be doing. Because what's that saying? Loose lips sink ships. Recently, I was selected for jury duty. And I did not make the final 14 jurors. It's 12 that sit on and two alternates. I did not make that, so I'm, I'm no longer obligated for jury duty. However, I was part of the selection process known as voir, voir dire. Voir dire. It's French. It's hard to say. Meaning to speak truth. In this process, after they have sifted through the dozens of potential jurors, they get a group of people together. And we had, and this was all done through Zoom because of COVID and the courthouses and everything. But we had uh, all of us on the Zoom channel set up by the judge and the bailiff and the, the, uh, the lawyers. First, you get the prosecutor and the defendant's lawyer asked all of us jurors, potential jurors, questions relating to uh, the case. Now, the case here, and I can talk about it now because I'm not on it, was a second degree sexual misconduct on a minor. It was a federal way, uh, it's going to be in the news, a uh, male nurse, he was a male, who was accused of sexually assaulting a 16 year old girl and a couple other people. But they asked us questions about, have any of you been involved in any type of sexual assault uh, scenarios? Were you sexually assaulted at all? Were you have any family members? They want to know if you were going to be biased or not. They want to know where you stand on some of the issues. So that they can pick the right jury to give a fair trial. And before we actually had the Zoom thing, because of COVID once again, they sent us a questionnaire asking us if we knew any of the victims. So they give us a list of victims. They, they asked us if we knew the prosecutors and the, the lawyers and even the, the bailiff, the judge. And they give us all these names, even the victims and other witnesses. So we, that, like I said, it'd be a fair trial. So we don't know any of the, the victims. So we can't rule in favor of them unjustly. Make sure we didn't know any of the cops or anything involved. This is to ensure that you don't develop a bias before you even know the details of the case. Before you have a chance to listen to the defense. Listen to the evidence. So you don't say the, second, the first day you walk into that courtroom, he's guilty. There are two times when God lays out a path for a person. One, that time he, he leaves a path that leads you to him. And a path he lays out after you've accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. I firmly believe, and even using scriptural examples of when Jesus called the twelve, that everyone on this earth is given a chance to walk down that road that leads people to Christ. 
And what they do at the end of that road is up to them. But everybody has a chance to give their life to Jesus. And God lays these out. God forces circumstances to where you'll meet that soul winner. He'll force those circumstances to where somebody will come up to you and invite you to church. Or say, do you know anything about Jesus? Or, hey, you know, have you ever thought about becoming a Christian? Even down to breaking down in your vehicle in front of a church. I believe God uses these circumstances. And I know the circumstances that led me to Jesus. And I see them now. And I'm glad that I took that path. That I walked down that path to Jesus. And I'm glad that when I accepted him, I stepped on the path that led me further in him. And I didn't turn around and walk away. I'm reminded of those lepers that came and Jesus healed them. All ten of them. But only one turned around to give him glory and thanks. Only one. I was that one of all those people there that had gotten invited by that man of God to the house, the servant's home, for dinner. That I'm the only one who stayed and said, no, I need something from God. And it was that night that I gave my life to Jesus because I stayed. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know where I was going in my life. All I know is I needed something more. Man. How many decisions would you have altered had you been able to see all the details? If you knew what basic training was going to be like, or boot camp, if you knew the yelling and the screaming, and the crawling in mud, and the, the physical tiredness, and the mental tiredness, would you still have signed up for the military? You may have watched videos on YouTube about it, maybe you read some books, but it wasn't until you actually got there that you experienced it. But would you have still done it? Would you still have bought that one car? Would you still have gone to a college if you knew all that was involved? If you could actually feel it? If we knew what God was going to do for us ahead of time, we could have developed a spiritual bias against God's will. What if Abraham knew too much? No doubt a road trip sounds fun before you leave. But give a few hours into it and it starts to get a little uncomfortable. The first couple of miles, yeah, this is fun, all right. And then you start getting tired and grumpy. And if you're driving, you start to get fatigued and sore because you're sitting there with your hands on the steering wheel for hours. You start dazing off, going past these empty barren land, this farmland where there's nothing. Everything looks the same. And it gets hard. You just, man, I can't wait to get to the gas station. The next gas station, I get to get out. I get to eat something. That's my highlight is that make it to that next destination. My highlight is to make it to that hotel tonight because then I'll be done with this day. We've done these road trips. They do. They're so fun leading up to it. So excited. We're going to stop here. We're going to go to Mount Rushmore. We're going to do all these sightseeing. But then, man, all that time in between those sights and scenes and fun, it's a drag. Sitting there. Your body's cramping up. Your legs are cramping up. So no doubt a road trip sounds comfortable. Maybe Abraham had gotten a little excited when God said, I'm going to take you somewhere. All right. Awesome. And then they set out on this journey. 
We are not told what they experienced on their journey to Haran. No doubt they would get tired. Perhaps their feet and legs began to hurt if they walked. If it was by horse, no doubt they developed saddle sore. Was it hot? Was it cold? What was the weather like? What kind of food did they have? What if Abraham could experience the trip before going on the trip? Would it have changed his mind? Where would be we be if it changed his mind? God didn't force him to go. Abraham could have said yes or no. He had that choice. Are there things that you've experienced in your growth in God that had you known about before, you would have avoided that soul winner? <laughs> Being a Christian isn't a life floating on clouds. You know, after we give our life to Jesus and we all can testify that there begins a process by God in which he begins to deal with our heart to get rid of the things that are unpleasant to him and the things that are going to drag us deeper in sin. Going to church on a Sunday morning sounds okay. That's no problem. One hour on a Sunday, give or take. But what about a Sunday night? And then they, then they want you for a Bible study on Tuesday and Wednesday night. And on Thursday night, they want you for church. And then what about a Saturday night service or a Friday night service? What if they want this and this from you? What if God wants you to attend more than one church service? What if he wants you to go soul winning? What if he wants you to be baptized? Through God's grace, he helps us make those decisions. Being a Christian isn't easy. But God gets us through it. Genesis 12 and 1, the story of Abraham. It said, Now that the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. He told Abraham to leave his family and his community. Leave thy kindred, Abraham. Leave your neighbors, your support system, those you've grown up with, your friends. Leave them. Leave your extended family. Leave your father's house. Leave your father, your brother, your nephew, your cousins, everybody. Leave them all, Abraham. And go to a country that I'm not ready to show you yet. Why was God so adamant that Abraham leave like this? This we know. We can research this. Because the Chaldeans were known idol worshippers. They were known idol worshippers, the Chaldeans, into astrology. This wasn't too far from Babel. This wasn't far from probably where the Tower of Babel was. And that's what the Tower of Babel was. One big giant idol. So that's why God wanted him to leave it all. And that's what we got to do when we come to Christ. We've got to leave all of the sin. We've got to leave everything that's going to drag us down. And God doesn't necessarily tell us nowadays to leave our family and stuff. But we have to make that decision on our own and say, hey, I can go home. I can get saved and go home to my family. And be dragged back in to their sin. Or I can separate myself. He said come out from amongst them. Be holy and separate saith the Lord. Be separate. 
doesn't mean you got to cut off talking to your family and whatnot. No, not by any means. Unless you know that's they're going to drag you deeper in sin. Abraham, leave thy community, leave thy kindred. There in Luke 9 and 57, we have another example. It says, And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, talking to Jesus, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the, bed, let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. There is going to be a cost if you are going to follow Jesus. But that reward will always outweigh the cost. And we focus our eyes on that heavenly reward. Everything we do leave behind is worth it. It is worth it. And our job is not to know. We are not to know what God has set before us. What his plan for us to know. So many people want to know. And a lot of believers get crossed up in theories and ideas and begin to form new doctrine. All because the Bible, which are the words of God, did not give them enough information for their liking. I'm thinking of those who try to interpret Revelation for certain things. And I've been harping on this a lot because you hear so much about it in the news and different things. But people who try to interpret things the way... If the Bible doesn't give an interpretation of what it is, then stop trying to figure it out yourself. I knew one gentleman. He was a preacher. And I knew there were some warning signs already that they were beginning to get a little uprooted, I guess you can say. Because they got bored. And he started to look into things and get into certain conspiracy theories and different things. And one of the, what he was trying to tell me was that he saw some guy on the internet, on YouTube, and he's watching him. And the guy was trying to explain exactly, scientifically, how there in Genesis chapter 6, how the fallen angels, referred to as the sons of God, were able to mate with the daughters of men. How they were able to actually conceive. Them being angels and the daughters of men being earthly and flesh. How they were able to have sexual relations with them. And how they were able to produce offspring. How that was scientifically possible. And he was talking about how the angels. And all I remember, because I'm glad I blocked a lot of it out. But all I remember him saying was something about using sonic vibrations. And you know what? The Bible doesn't say it. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What God has told us is all he needs to tell us. And it doesn't matter. What matters is the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
If you don't read anything ever in the Bible, and all you read are the Gospels, all you read is how Jesus died for your sins, to free you from sin, and to bring you into heaven, and to the glorious light of God, that's all you really need to know. If that's all you read, you walk down and get hit by a car, you'll make it. Yes. There's a lot of stuff in the Bible that we, we may read, but we don't actually read. Guess you can say. People read the whole Bible and we still miss things. What God has revealed in Scripture is all that He wanted us to know. We don't need to go dig deeper into the things that will not bring us closer to Him. Now, we've, we've all done it. We've, we've researched into certain things. Things of the eternal past. There's things we are taught in seminary. But those things are also just some of, some of those things are just theories. We don't know exactly because the Bible doesn't tell us. We try to have some sort of answer for when those people do come and say, well, what about this? What about that? But we're not going to base doctrine off it. We're not going to base our salvation off it. We've had discussions, me and brother here, on the way home of different things in the Bible about the eternal past and dinosaurs and different things relating to Sodom and Gomorrah and different theories. But that's all it is. We talk about it, we get edified a little bit, and we move on. We don't build our foundation around it. Those things... Digging into things that God hasn't told us about. That he doesn't want us to know. Things that the Holy Ghost will not bring us deeper into God. Only cause strife and debate. When it comes to God's plans, the more we know, the greater risk there is that we, we mess it up. Some time ago, I had learned that the job that I work on. We are a contractor. We contract service to a company. We learned that our contract was going to expire. And they were not going to renew it. Essentially putting me out of a job. Around that same time, we were expecting our landlady at the time to ask for the apartment back. When we moved in, she gave us, she said, uh, I'm going to probably want this back in about three years. So we had two events that were going to come to a head at the same time. We were going to be without a place to live, and I was going to be without a job. I sat there and I kind of reasoned with myself and saying, maybe this is God bringing me to the next step. Maybe this is God wanting me to move on to something else in Him, whether it was a different church, different ministry, or whatever. I didn't know. And I felt a lot of anxiety about it. I didn't know. I was scared. And I just wanted to look. I was like, God, I need to know. What are you going to do with me? I need the plan, Lord. Do we stay in Renton? Do we go? Do, or do we wait on you? And the worst part is they told us our contract was going to expire a year and a half before it expired. So once we got that news, everybody started leaving and quitting the company. But we had, we were gonna be, I was going to be without a job and without a place to live. 
I wanted to know more. But I went and I prayed. When I finally found out that we didn't lose the contract because there were already rumors about it. I went and I prayed. And I said, God, what do I do? And I felt a calm and the peace from the Holy Ghost. And that's all I got that day. Calm and peace. I, he didn't say, don't worry about it because this is what I'm going to do with you. Don't worry about it because this is where we're going to move you. Or this is where, what's going to happen. All I had him say was, peace be still. I'm not going to tell you what's going to happen. But don't worry about it. It's all going to work out. Psalm 37, 23, the steps of a good man are, order, are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. So what ended up happening? Well, first they gave me a nice big raise to stay until the end of the contract. About four or five months before we were set to expire that contract, that's when COVID hit. Where we were contracted to was a corporate headquarters. So offices and stuff. They started telling people to work from home because of COVID. Now, if everybody's working from home, how are we going to provide our service to? So they ended our contract right then and there. However, that company has a distribution center. Warehouse. Because the company is still running... And still selling their product, the distribution center remained open. Now, we also contracted services to that distribution center. Right before COVID hit, that distribution center lost a few people. That kitchen that we, we contract for. The one girl had some sort of injury or something, and she had to leave. So they were down a person. I had gotten laid off for only 24 hours. Before my regional said, you know what? We're not sure what's happening with COVID. We're hoping to have you guys back in a couple weeks. But why don't you go and work down there? So that you can keep your paychecks coming in. So you don't have to use uh, pay time off and then go on unemployment. Just go down there for a few weeks. Well, guess what? It's been over a year. Amen. And I'm still down there. God kept my job. Amen. What about the place to live? Now, the landlady kept putting it off over and over. I'm not ready to move back in yet. And that was very unknowing to us. When is she going to tell us that we have to move out? We cannot wait. And I brought that to the Lord. I said, God, when are we, when's this going to happen? We're going to be out on the street if we don't know what's happening at such an uncertain time. Well, when COVID had hit at the corporate headquarters there and we all got laid off, that was an opening for another employee that I worked with to say, you know what, it's time for us to move. Her and her whole family moved down to Oregon, which left her old place available for us to move into. Amen. And it was cheap and it didn't require any credit checks or background checks or anything like that. And they came and they replaced the carpet and they painted for us. And it's a property. God knew what he was doing a year and a half before we even had an issue. God provided. He didn't tell us all that was going to happen. He didn't give us a chance to disagree. 
He didn't give us a chance to doubt it. He moved us along the way, step by step. All we had to do was obey and walk. All we had to do was go down that path. All we had to do was say, yes, Lord, I'll do whatever you say. And we didn't need the details. Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house. And he said, unto a land that I will shew thee. He didn't say, Abraham, go leave now. You're going to this land. He's like, I'm going to show you what I'm ready to show you. Just walk. Just ride that horse until I tell you to stop. God will show you what he wants you to do. He may tell you where you were going. But he will not tell you what to expect. He may not tell you where you're going until the very last second. Mm-hmm. And the Lord, he it is that doeth that doth go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dis neither be dismayed. This is what Moses said to Joshua before. Joshua going into the promised land with Israel. That God will go with them and before them and will provide for them. And the same still applies for us today. All Abraham had to go on was a promise. All Abraham had to go on was God saying, go into a land that I will show you and I will make you a great nation. I will make you a blessing to all the earth. That's all you're getting in all the information you're getting, Abraham, I'm not going to tell you anymore. He didn't know exactly what form it would take place or when it would happen. And he didn't need to know. When I gave my life to Jesus, it was out of desperation. Sin was dragging me to hell, and I wanted to be free. I grew up in church. I thought I knew God, but when I gave my life to Jesus, now I understood Now I had a clear picture of why people would raise their hands. Why people would lift their voice. Why people would go to church throughout the week and not just Sundays. Now I understood the God that my parents worshipped. Now I understood the God that millions of other people worshipped. Because now I had a clear picture. Because now I was in Jesus. Amen. Jesus promised the whole world that he would save those who call upon his name. That is a promise he made on that cross. We may know the beginning of a story and the ending, but how we get from point A to Z is going to be unknown. But for us, as long as we are in Jesus, it doesn't matter which route this Christian walk takes us. As long as Jesus is that vehicle, As long as he is the vehicle, we know that we will reach that final destination. We have that final destination. We are told what that final destination is. And that's up in heaven with him. It is to be glorified with him. To escape the fires of hell. That is our final destination. 
But how we get there, all as long as we're in Jesus, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter the ups and the downs, the left and the right. It doesn't matter if we find ourselves in Washington or in Timbuktu or Singapore or wherever. Wherever God calls us, whenever that rapture happens, wherever we're at, it doesn't matter as long as we go in that rapture. If we go before the rapture, in death, it doesn't matter which hospital we're in. As long as we're in Jesus, we'll make it. In Jesus, we are safe from the elements of this world. In Jesus, we will travel on paved roads. In Jesus, we know that he knows where he is going and that he will get us there safely. Hebrews 11 and 9 says, By faith, Abraham... By faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which had foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Are you looking forward to that city whose building and maker is God? Are your eyes fixed on the only one who can get you there? John 14 and 6 says, Jesus saith unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh the Father but by me. And that included Abraham. Abraham would not have gone there until Jesus had died and been resurrected. And then Jesus will make it to that final glorious stand in God before it is in Jesus that will stand before his throne. And if you truly believe that we don't need any more information than that Jesus loves us and Jesus died for us and that we'll make it to heaven in Jesus, then we can go ahead and praise his name because I don't care what happens tomorrow. I don't care what happens next week. All I care is that me and Jesus are side by side going there. Jesus will get you there. And if you believe that, let's stand and go before him and praise him. Lord, Lord, we thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you. There is blessing and not knowing. Lord, I thank you that you don't give us a chance sometimes to mess it all up. Lord, I thank you because, Lord, we know that you're in control. Lord, that you are the vehicle in which we are going to make it there. Thank you, Jesus. We don't know where we're going exactly until the very end we know the end but how we get there what stops are along the way we don't know Lord and that's okay with us all you ask us to do Lord is trust you all you ask us to do is trust you Let us find a place to pray. Let's seek the Lord. Let's pray that He takes all doubt and fear of what lies ahead out of our hearts. All wonder and confusion. It doesn't matter, any of that stuff. God has you in the palm of His hand. He knows what you have need of before you've even asked. Before you even have a need, He knows how to provide for you. He knows what's in store for you. All you have to do is accept it. Each step, each road stop, each gas station along the the road of life, it's just a chance to fill up, rejuvenate, and keep heading towards that final destination. 
Lord, I've laid what you have, I preach what you've laid on my heart, Lord. I ask you right now, Lord, through the Holy Ghost to deal with each and every one of us as you see fit and according to your will, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Find a place to pray. Amen.